Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. So the reason I'm up here, I'm not Pastor Jason, I, I specifically asked if I could introduce our special guest this morning. And the reason being is because we've got a campus missionary, um, missionary, missionary Tyler Gerfers, and he is, he is a campus min- missionary to the University of Louisiana Monroe um, for Chi Alpha. And Chi Alpha holds a very special part in my heart and in our family. Because you guys, without the ministry of Chi Alpha, I would not be standing behind this pulpit and on this platform this morning. Okay? I, I went from a small school. I, went, I attended school at Norfolk. Okay? That's right. Go Leopards. Okay? Um, but I, I, I attended school at Norfolk, a very small school. And I went to the University of Arkansas. Okay? To where in one class, I had more people in my class than I did in the entire K through 12 at, at Norflet. Okay? Can I tell you that students can get lost when attending a university? And I, I use the word lost not just about around campus, but I mean spiritually lost. Because can you imagine the influences that students face. We just thought it was real in high school. The influences that students face when they go and step onto a college campus. It is unreal. It is unlike any other. But you know what? I am so thankful for ministries like Chi Alpha and what they do and what they bring and what, how they can minister to our young people and students that are entering into college. Okay, so I know that, you know, University of Arkansas has one, ULM has one. We, our family was blessed because of the um, Chi Alpha ministry at Louisiana Tech. Okay, but there are, as of 2022, statistics say, I think there were 275 campus ministries around the country. You guys, number one, that's not near enough. But number two, we have something to be thankful for, that we have got some amazing ministries in our local neighborhoods that we can support. So as, as Brother Tyler comes up, you guys give him a big hand and round of applause. Thanks so much, Brother. Oh, man, appreciate that. Brother Daniel, that is so good. And uh, amen, amen to that. God is good. And uh, true story, my wife and I, too, uh, would not be uh, around today if it were not for Chi Alpha. That's where we came to faith. So uh, what God does in you, he does through you. Amen. Here we are. Well, thank you so much for having me this morning, church. Uh, what a wonderful and beautiful church and just sweet people. I love that two minutes of just being the most friendly you can. I'm going to take that, uh, Pastor Jason. I'm going to use that. Uh, I love it. Uh, but like you said, uh, my name is Tyler Gerfers. My wife, Bethy, and I, we've been serving as Chi Alpha missionaries. This is our 11th year. Uh, we restarted, re-pioneered that uh, Chi Alpha ministry there at ULM down in Monroe. 
so yes, I represent ULM, not LSU, okay? Just making sure everybody's on the same page here. I'm from Louisiana, but Monroe. I uh, just want to clear that up. Uh, but it is so good to be here. Um, God has been so faithful. And, and uh, Pastor Jason, just uh, we had some time to talk for a service, which is always good. If you ever get a chance to sit down with Pastor Jason, uh, it's, it's awesome. And so, uh, but he asked me to share a little bit. Um, my, my family, uh, my oldest daughter in the middle of that picture there, uh, her name is Della. And Della's out to be nine in December. And for the past year and a half, almost two years now, uh, kind of been on a little journey of health and doctor visits and things like that. And, and the short of it is, uh, my, my, uh, my daughter has something called CRMO, which is uh, chronic recurrent multifocal osteomyelitis. Don't say that fast. Um, basically, she has inflammation of the bones in different spots in her body, and her bones are got to be twice the size they're supposed to be. And, uh, and, and in that, you know, not knowing, we went to the doctors in Baton Rouge and St. Jude and different things like that. And, but praise God... Uh, it wasn't the report that they thought it was going to be. Uh, praise God, it ended up being this and, not, and not, what the, not the former. But now she's been on a journey of healing, and she's been on a journey of health, and they got her some treatment. She takes Humira shots every two weeks, and she's going to physical therapy twice a week. But she got down, I mean, to 32 pounds as a seven-year-old, and seven-and-a-half-year-old, and couldn't walk, had a walker, and just now she's running and playing and with her sisters, and, and, and God has been so faithful. God has been so faithful. Uh, we, go, we go back this fall, this November, to see what the doctor says is the next step. Um, who knows what the next step is? We know that we have faith, we have hope, and we have a lot of love for our baby girl, not even compared to what the Lord has for her. And so just ask that you pray for our daughter and what she's doing. She is, she's excited. Uh, she's not down. Her bones are down to normal size now. She's moving around and doing. God has been so gracious to her. He has been so gracious. So pray for our family. Pray for my baby girl. Uh, you know, and, and even right now, a, a little of the, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, we rejoice and, and she's going through a little bit something extra with the side of there's actually a side effect of the medicine she's got a little psoriasis going on with her body and and let me tell you the faith of a child my, my daughter said if God would just tell me to go down to that Jordan River like Naaman daddy I would and I said baby girl it's gonna be all right so thank you for praying for my family because you know when we do ministry whether it's here or you Monroe it's the family first. Amen. That's the greatest ministry we can all have. But I want to share with you through our family what we do in Chi Alpha and what we've been doing. Um, Pastor Daniel mentioned some of this, but we are fully present missionaries on the university campus. We're fully present. We're there each and every day reaching out to students, having a conversation, listening. You hear what I'm saying? Listening, engaging, all of a sudden, reaching out to them, discipling them, re- reaching them up in a service and a Bible study, different outreaches we do. We're, it's constant as the mission on the university campus. You guys can just share some of these pictures if you go through them, kind of show them what we do. Uh, basically, at the end of the day, it boils down to this. We just take the Great Commission very seriously. As Pastor Jason mentioned, we want to go and make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. But how you do that, you got to be present. You got to be there. And so that's what we do. And we teach our students how to be there. How do you, how do you fight for the souls of men and women? How do you do that? Because this is what the Lord's going to want you to do the rest of your life as a follower of Jesus. And so that's what we do on a regular basis. And I want to share a little story that kind of encapsulates all of what we do. And, and, and I believe it's powerful. So just, just a little, not too long ago, we, 
had a girl, Linnea, that came to our campus from Shreveport, Louisiana, and she came running to campus to get away and start over. You and I can appreciate a little start over moment, amen? And so she does that, and so we find her. We're there, we reach out to her, we meet her. She's bubbly, she's awesome, but she's broken, even so much so that she doesn't even realize it. But the Lord is faithful and good, and so we meet her, we talk with her, she's, we're inviting her, she comes to service, she comes to our Bible studies, and sure enough, it's not, the, it's not the events, it's this relationship, person to person, that advances the kingdom of God, and that's what we saw happen. All of a sudden, we're loving her to Jesus. We're loving her, we're listening, she's telling us about these things, and all of a sudden, she keeps coming, and then these relationships that aren't so good for her start falling by the wayside. Right? She finds out who her real friends are. She finds out the people that really love her and care for her for where she's at, not where they want to get her. We let the Lord do his job. We just want to love her to him, right? And so we do that, and, and, and by the end of that fall semester, she really had a, had a moment with the Lord of saying that she was going to turn away and turn to him fully, got water baptized on campus, gave her life to the Lord, and it was an incredible moment. We celebrated that, and then immediately she said, this is not just for me. So she goes back to her family in Shreveport, her, her baby sister, senior in high school, Joy. She says, Joy, and she's telling her, and she's telling her about the goodness of God and how God set her free and what God's doing in her life. And let me tell you something. Here's a little, here's a little advice for if you're going to talk to a young person. They really are listening. It takes time. They really are listening, and they're paying a lot more attention than you realize. And Joy was the same way. She was listening, uh-huh, 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 sister, uh-huh. But can I tell you something? Linnea never gave up on her sister. She prayed prayers. She had conversations. And by the next, after six months of that, Joy had a moment with the Lord and gave her life to the Lord and got water baptized and came ready to come to campus and do what Linnea was doing. And now this, this past summer, there's a picture up here, actually. Both these girls had an encounter with the living God, experienced the Father heart of God, and they went with us to Guatemala for a mission trip and testified and preached the gospel to over 50 kids and over 100 Guatemalans in this service, that in this pastor that has never been served in over 20 years, all because we were there for one student who reached back into her family. So church, when you give, when you pray, when, you, when we work together, we can reach nations and you don't even know it. We can reach generations and you don't even know it, but God is in the business of reaching another generation. So church, thank you for your giving. Thank you for your love and know together we can do this thing called the Great Commission. Amen? Amen. I wanna share a word from the heart today that's a little raw, but it's real. And I want to start off by with a little, little example here, okay? The, the Lord was really working on me with this whole idea of what's been happening in our churches. What's been happening with me, my goodness, you know? And just looking around where we've come from, you know, we've come from a long ways, church. I mean, we've come from some places, right? Over the last few years, we've, we've experienced some things, we've gone through some things. And I want to share with you, there's, so there's this idea of disruption, I feel like the Lord was telling me disruption, or, you know, this idea of, of disruption. And I said, okay, well, I'll put these two cups up here to kind of give you an idea of, well, what is that? What, 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 is, what is disruption? Well, a disruption is kind of like an interruption, except the difference is when you're disrupted, you're not going back. Things have changed. You know, we've been disrupted a little bit over the last few years, right? You hear what I'm saying? And not all of it can be bad. It can be good. But an interruption is just more like a pause. You can keep doing what you're doing to be interrupted and you go back to what you're doing. So this little example here, on the right, that's my coffee in the morning, and on the left, that's my wife's coffee in the morning, kind of. 
It's not that pretty. Um, but my coffee is not disrupted. My coffee is black, bold, beautiful, and heaven's nectar, okay? And my wife's coffee has got some cream, some sugar, some what we call in Louisiana, some land yap in there. It is disrupted, church. It is not going back. I don't care how much black coffee you pour over that thing. It is disrupted. And in the same way, there's moments, there's times, there's seasons that we all find ourselves in where the Lord does the same thing. The question is, are you and I latching on and paying attention to the divine disruption that he's doing in your life? He's doing in this church. Because the reality is there's things that happen in us and around us all the time, but the question is, are we paying attention? Are we in sync with, are we in step with the Holy Spirit? Are we allowing God to really speak and us really Listen, divine disruption is what I want to talk to you about today. And when I look at this, I go all the way back to the beginning of a, of, of a moment here with the disciples and Jesus. If you want to follow along, we'll be in Luke 5 this morning, church. And this is where I believe is a great place the Lord has shown me to say this is what it looks like. That Jesus has been in the business of divine disruption since day one, church. So Luke 5, if you'll turn with me there. I'm going to read Luke 5, 1 through 11, and then we're going to come back, and I'm going to pull out some things here for us today. Luke 5, verse 1. It says, On one occasion, while the, crowd, while the crowd was pressing on him and the word of God, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them, washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked to put out a little from the land, he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we told all night and took nothing but your word. At your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled up both boats so full they began to sink. But when Jesus I'm sorry, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken and also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were the partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had heard, they brought their boats to the land. They left everything and followed him. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for an opportunity to come together as your people, to meet with you, Lord, to worship you in spirit and truth. And Lord, I pray that in this moment, Holy Spirit, you minister to each and every one of us, individually and collectively, as your people that are called by your name. And Lord, let your gracious hand be upon this service, upon everything that, that's, that takes place here. Lord, let it be for your glory and your namesake. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So a little backdrop here. Jesus is on the scene, and man, there is a crowd on his bumper because they want to hear what this man has to say next. He's been doing a lot of teaching, a lot of, a lot of miracles, a lot of signs, and they are just excited to hear what happens. And they're right there on him, and he goes on the shore here, and he tells the disciples, he gets them to go back on the waters. And what happens here is, is a couple things, right? Like, they're there, they're, they're doing their job as fishermen, they're doing what they know to do, and Jesus comes up on the scene, and... I would dare say he divinely disrupts their situation. <laughs> they, 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 they're ready to go home. They're washing nets. It, it, it's quitting time, folks. Let's go. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene. 
And he tells them to go out. And, and it even says in verse 6 that when they listened and, they, and he had them go put their nets on the other side, that they caught such a large number of fish that it began to break. So it's almost like there's a greater fisherman that just showed up. <laughs> there's a greater work that just showed up if you'll receive him. And I want to go back to this verse 3, though. It says, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, here's what happens. And, and I, I, I empathize with Simon, but I think this is where you and I hopefully will see ourselves in this too, is that there's a lot of times where Jesus is doing a good work all around us. And Jesus is doing stuff here at this church, maybe a church even down the road, maybe even in this community. And we celebrate what God does wherever he does it, amen? Especially when it comes to one another. And in this moment, though, what's interesting is that Simon is this guy that I believe Jesus was doing him a favor. It's, it's kind of like my kids, you know, I have three beautiful daughters, and sometimes when I see them doing something that, you know, I, I'm, I know what's about to happen, I'll, you know, I'll say, hey, hey, Lilla, won't you come stand by Daddy? You know, they think they're the number one in that moment. They think they're so special, and then, oh, I get to stand by Daddy, but really, that's true, but really, I'm, I'm trying to protect my child from getting in trouble. I'm trying to help my child. I think Jesus was helping his child named Simon that day, saying, Simon, why don't we get in your boat and go out a little bit? I want to get you away from the crowd for a minute. I want to get you away from all the noise and all the distraction and, and all the things that are happening. Uh, because church, oftentimes that's what happens. If we're not careful, we can get so excited and so wrapped up in, in all the noise, we can't even pay attention to what Jesus is saying to you and to me. Like there's a word for you today. There's a word for me today. And so I believe that. So he gets them in the boat, and it's like one of those things where hopefully we don't, hopefully you don't, you never thought this or done this, but it's like, you know, you hear a good word, and it's like, oh, I hope they heard it. Man, I hope Bobby over here heard it, because man, God's been, I mean, he, he's been having some trouble a long time. It's a word for you too, right? <laughs> it ain't just for your mom and him. It ain't just for your buddy. It's for you. And this was Simon, I believe. But this is what, check this, this is what happens. That in all of what we do, Here's what it is. Jesus wants our attention more than just our petition. He wants our attention more than just our petition. Now, don't get me wrong. The Bible says that he delights in our prayers, that we should cast down our worries and concerns and burdens at his feet. And that's not what I'm saying, church. What I'm saying is sometimes we come to the Lord so much with an ask, we've never been in a position just to hear what he's saying. I know that my prayer life looks different when I've humbled myself before the Lord. And the Bible said there's grace when you do that. There's grace with humility. That when you come before the Lord and you just look at him and receive him for what he's doing in that moment. Rather than just the ask, the tell, slow to speak but quick to listen is what James said. The Lord needs our attention more than our petition. A way of saying it is like this, a life of more discipline is a life of less distraction and a life of more deliverance. Church, honestly, most of us, the reason why we don't experience freedom is not because it hasn't shown up. It's because we won't be still long enough to embrace the freedom that God has given us. That if we were disciplined in our prayer life, in, a time, in, our, in, in, our, in our time with the Lord, if we abide in the Lord, there's freedom right here waiting for you. But yet we play and live and dance all around it, passing it by day in and day out. 
a life of more discipline, a less distraction, and more deliverance. Most of the time, your deliverance is right there waiting for you just to be a little more disciplined and trust God in the little things that he's done and that he's doing. Here's my question for you, church. What is keeping you from paying attention to Jesus? Not, what, not what's keeping everybody else. What's keeping you from paying full attention to Jesus in your life? What is that? Because I promise you the moment you fix that, address that, watch freedom show up. Watch there be a new day of deliverance in your house, in your soul, in your spirit. What is keeping you from paying attention to Jesus? Going back to verse 6, when he talks about they had, when they had cast their nets on their side, they had caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. Verse 7, they signaled their partners over to help them, and then both boats began to sink. Number two is this, church, that Jesus wants us to be more interdependent and less interdependent. And yes, I made up that second word. <laughs> but there's a reason. Because we have been so conditioned, church, to just worry about me. We've been so conditioned that I'll just lean on me. I can't trust people. I thought I could depend on some people. I found out the hard way I couldn't. Or whatever your experience is, it doesn't change the fact the Lord has designed and created us to be a more interdependent body of believers called the church. Unless interdependent. You know, when I see this image here, I see the, the disciples in the boats calling them over when there was a good catch. Church, I pray that we're never the kind of people that only call on each other when we need something. I pray that we're the kind of church that are so involved each other's lives. Now, I'm not giving somebody permission to meddle. That's, you don't, we don't be doing that, you know. You, you do stuff out of love, out of hope, out of faith, and, and, and honor and respect and all these things that are, that are virtuous of the Lord. But we should be so involved in each other's lives that we know what's going on. That we don't, that, that it's not just during the good times, it's during the hard times that we know that we can call on a friend, that we are our brothers and sisters keeper, if I may say it that way. I got this picture of this fire to give it, that I think represents this beautiful idea. Now, I didn't grow up in church, I didn't grow up around Boy Scouts or anything, other Scouts or anything like that. You know, we want to build a fire, we, at my house we had a remote, boop. <laughs> I'm just being honest. <laughs> But my friends that are Royal Rangers or different, you know, man, we get out in the woods, dude, they go, they go crazy about trying to show me how to build a fire, and I love it. You know, man, you got to get the right sticks, the right kindling. They got to stack them up, got to get them peaked just right. What kind of fire do you want, Tyler? He's like, I don't care, just let it burn, you know. But I love it. There's a science, there's an art, there's a beauty in it. And, man, who doesn't like a good fire, especially when it gets cold weather? Hopefully, that's coming soon, Hopefully. We got the rain, Lord, fire next, cold weather, come on, here we go. But this is what happens, you know, I haven't seen too many one-stick fires. It doesn't help when you lay out the sticks individually and try to light each one. You know, that's not a very good fire. And if you had a one-stick fire, it wouldn't do, I don't know how much good that does you after a while, you know what I'm saying? But when you put them all together and they lean on each other and they work together, now you can, now you got something. Man, what an image of one community. What an image of this body, of what it could look like when we start leaning on each other because it takes a little vulnerability. It takes a little lean in. It takes a little bit from everybody. But guess what? When we come together, now people in El Dorado know where to get warm. People in El Dorado look and they go, man, those are the kind of people that know what it means to love each other 
And Jesus says something about that, right? The world will know your mind by the way you love one another. Maybe the way you lean in with each other. Maybe the way that you work together. What an image of us, church. What an image of what God has called us to be, an independent body of believers that need each other. What are you doing, church? What are you doing to create and live in true community? What are you doing to be a part of that, that God has ordained and planned for you as a part of this body? What's your part? What are you doing to create that? He goes on in verse 8, he says, When Simon Peter saw this, he fell to Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Now, I res- this resonates with me because I feel like I've had many moments like this in my life where I've realized what Jesus has done and really who he is. Like, you and I will worship him in spirit and truth, and we'll sing songs and we'll say things, but there are moments when, if we're honest, that we realize, Lord, we haven't really been worshiping you for just how great you really are, for how good you really are, and how much I am not. Church, we've all been there, and I believe Simon is showing us what this looks like. And it's amazing because in the midst of this, what, is, what happened was Jesus showed him, yeah, I'm the greater fisherman. Yeah, I'm the Lord of the harvest. I know, what I, I know who I am. Do you know who you are? Like, I, I know what this is. Do you know what this is? And so it's like Jesus demonstrated with some love and grace and mercy, but he showed the blessing. He showed them that if you'll, if you'll do it my way. Church, how many of us just... We know what we're doing. How many of us just, we just know what we're doing, right? And then Jesus has to come into the situation. It's amazing when we bring Jesus into what we think we're doing, what gets done. It's amazing how much time we realize we wasted when we could have just started with the one we came from. It's amazing. And this is what, so this is where Simon is, Lord, I'm a sinful man. I I didn't trust you, really. Because sometimes we go through the motions, but we're not really trusting. Sometimes we're just doing it not really for the Lord, but to get someone else off our back. Sometimes we're just trying to look apart so that maybe something will happen. Here's what I would tell you. Number three is Jesus wants our humility more than our ability. If you will humble yourself in every circumstance, in every day of your life, and you surrender to the Lord, you watch what he does. You watch. This, this, uh, there's something on the other side of what you're doing that's going to take some humility to get there. It took some humility for these professional fishermen to get back in the water after they'd done clean their nets to throw stuff on the other side of the water. You don't think that, you, you know, I, I could be wrong, but if Jesus would have asked me, hey, why don't you try on the other side? I'm pretty sure I would have said, you don't think I went over there? I've been here all night. I've been there three or four times. There's some moments and some times where you and I, if we're honest, we're gonna push back. But obedience, better than sacrifice, a love and a humility with the Lord, he needs your humility, church more than your ability. We can tell God all day long about how good we are and how we could be used and all this kind of stuff. Can I tell you something? It all comes from him. He knows. 
He doesn't need your ability. He needs your humility. Because what the Bible says, where there there is no humility, there's some pride. And when there's pride, there's a fall. Church, we got too many of us falling down around all all over the place. We need to be some humble people to experience the grace of God, which is not to get your way. It's to overcome the things that get in the way and to be who God created you to be. This church is going places that you never even thought of. There's places that God's taken you, you never thought of. But you know what he's going to need to do that? Some people full of grace, full of humility, willing to go on the other side of the boat. Another way I'll say this is confession leads to consecration, and consecration leads to commission. Simon had a moment of confessing to the Lord where he was and what he had done. Church, you and I, we need to get back to a place of confession of not just the things that are bad, according to our ways and what we think we've done, but a confession of our lives with the Lord. Lord, here I am. This is how I'm showing up. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm feeling. Lord, can you do something with that? Can you help me understand what you're doing? Can you help me a confessional life? And the Bible even talks about that when we confess to one another, man, there's healing that happens. That, 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 that's a church that leans on each other, though, right? Having people we can confess to and talk to and be brothers and sisters in the faith with. But when we do that, when we begin to confess, now all of a sudden what we're saying is, Lord, we're willing for the Holy Spirit to set us apart in whatever way he sees fit. Not my will be done, Lord, but yours. And then when you begin to confess, you get to be set apart. Now you can go and be commissioned into the ways that the Lord has designed for you to do. He said it this way, I've prepared good works in advance for you. I've done a good work in you, and I'll see the day of completion. There are some works that you and I are yet to walk into because we have been yet to confess ourselves to the Lord and be set apart for his purpose and his glory. When my purpose dies, his purpose all of a sudden starts to live in my life. When I begin to confess and tell and listen and receive from the Lord, the Holy Spirit moves and directs me, now I can go. What would it look like if everybody in this place lived a confessional life to be set apart for God's purpose for one community? What would it look like, church? Here's my simple question. What are you not confessing? What are you not confessing to the Lord and to a friend to maybe somebody in this church that's an authority over you, what are you not confessing? The way that I tell my students all the time is this, is if you wanna be, if you wanna be held back, you hold back. If you wanna be held back, if you wanna hold up what God is trying to do, if you wanna hold up what God is wanting to do and see the breakthrough in your life, then you just keep holding back. See, a lot of times we, we're, we're, we're slow to confess because we wanna see what everybody else is doing. We want to see how it's going to play out. We want to see, well, is something, is something going to break loose or is something going to happen? And if I get really desperate, I might say something. Church, can I help you? God doesn't need you to wait for something to break loose. He needs you to break loose. He needs you to break loose. He goes on. In Luke 5, 10, he says, then Jesus said to Simon, watch this, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish your people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. 
Last point of today is this. Jesus wants your everything so he can reach everyone. He wants your everything. And we all know that he gave everything so that we could have everything in him. And today he wants your everything so that he can continue to reach everyone. <laughs> Where they stand on this lake, Lake Gennesaret, it's actually a, a, an extension of the Sea of Galilee. And I've never been to Israel. I hope to go one day, but I've heard many, many stories from dear friends of mine and pastor friends. And this is a beautiful, flourishing body of water. It's, it's amazing. It, it's wonderful. It's a place to be. And, and, when, and, and then there's this other body of water. You may have heard it. It's called the Dead Sea. Well, for simple Louisiana folks like me, make it simple. It's dead. It's very salty. You don't want to spend your honeymoon at the Dead Sea. Now, what's interesting is, check this. They're both being fed by the Jordan River. They're both being poured into. The difference is the Sea of Galilee is in the Lake Gennesaret where they're actually doing, having this, Jesus is at with the disciples. There's all these waterways coming off of it. It's, it's like life giving life over and over, giving out. In the Dead Sea, however, is just the opposite. It's more like a basin. It's contained and it's dead. It's amazing that we all can hear the word of God. We can all hear the man or woman preach what God has given them. We can all receive. We can all be given much. But there's, there's, there's two types of people in this world, in our church. There's the kind that are open-handed with their faith and all that's given to them, and they're, they're serving, they're giving, they're leaning in, they're being that brother or that sister's keeper, they're, they're, they're being involved, they're, they're letting God have his way in and through them. And then there's others that are dead, contained. I'm res- you keep receiving, you keep, you keep getting, and, and yet it's just you and your own little world. Jesus wants your everything, church. And, and, and you're enlisted in this, in this vision and mission that Jesus had for his church. Now watch this. Jesus, it's interesting, he talks to these fishermen and he says, don't be afraid, I'll make you fishers of men. See, some of us, the fear is, well, God's just gonna wipe out everything that I have. He's going to wipe out everything I know to be. He's just going to mess me up so much that I don't even know who I'm going to be. Can I tell you something? It's not that he's messing you up. He's fulfilling your purpose. He took these fishermen and said, I'll make you fishers of men. He took what he had already started in their lives and he said, with my purpose in mind, I'll make you fishers of men. I'm going to use what's in there for the kingdom of God. I'm going to use what you give me if you'll give me everything. If you'll give me everything. Watch. Watch how I use you. Watch how I put you up in places. Watch how I set you apart for the, for the, for the good works that I prepared in advance for you. Watch how you play a part in this thing called the kingdom of God. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You know, we've all had this divine moment called salvation. 
oh, man, I'm not afraid to leave that behind anymore. Praise God, I've got that divine moment. We've talked about some moments earlier, some divine disruption where a seven-year-old gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, man, praise God for that divine disruption because we don't have to. We're not looking back. We're looking ahead. But there's some of us that are afraid of what we're walking away from. We're afraid of what might it cost. We're afraid of maybe there's a job that the Lord is really trying to get you to walk away from because he's got a higher purpose on your life. Maybe there's some people in here being called to ministry. Maybe there's some people in here that are being called to serve at a greater capacity in this church. Maybe there's some people in here that maybe, they, maybe you need to lead a small group or a freedom group. Maybe there's some people in here that there's something in this community that's been stirring in you and you just won't say yes and amen to it because you're afraid. Don't be afraid. What a powerful phrase that Jesus said to these guys. Don't be afraid. Jesus wants your everything. And here's the thing. You don't think he knows? You don't think Jesus knows what you're doing? You don't think Jesus knows what's going on? It's like, don't be afraid. Easy for you to say. Yeah, it is easy for him to say. He wishes it was easy for us to say. He's not giving us a spirit of fear, church. There's a divine disruption just waiting and stirring in your life right now. My question is this, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of what you're leaving? Are you afraid of what could be? What are you afraid of? What's holding you back? Jesus said, don't be afraid. I'm closing today with this. This idea, church, that there is something God is doing already. There's a divine disruption stirring in your life, in this church, in you and all around you. God is at work, church. He is doing something. But if we're not careful, we'll miss it. If we're not careful, you'll miss what he's doing in your life. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. We should celebrate what God does for everybody. But don't think that he's overlooking you because we need each and everybody in this place to get on board. We need each and every person to not be afraid, to walk with humility, to give their full attention to Jesus, and to believe, to believe what, that God's going to do what he said he would do, that nothing's going to come against this church. But that includes you. What are you afraid of? So there's that divine disruption waiting for your response, church, today. In this moment, maybe the greatest divine disruption you could ever experience is that of being born again and walking in newness of life with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That Jesus had a divine disruption where he knew that he had to lay down his life so that we could have life and life more abundantly. That we could be free of sin and the, and, the, and the weight and the guilt of and that we could be who we were created to be. Maybe your divine, maybe your divine disruption day is, is that simple request from the Lord. Lord, fill me. Holy Spirit, will you baptize? Jesus, will you baptize me in the Holy Spirit? Will you fill me anew today? Or maybe your divine disruption day is simply, something as simple as, Lord, 
I'm going to say yes to the very thing you've been pestering me with for the last year. Maybe, maybe you just need to say yes to Jesus and what he's asking of you. Or maybe, maybe your divine disruption today is being rid of all fear. That you really believe that, that scripture that says he's not giving you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, peace, and a sound mind. Maybe your divine disruption is that you are one prayer away from going from fear to love, peace, and a sound mind. Whatever yours is, you and the Lord know what it is. The question is, what's your response gonna be, church? What are you gonna do next? And who are you gonna tell about it? Who are you gonna bring in to the fold of your life? Because, we, because you know that we're not meant to do this alone. What is your next step gonna be? I wanna just take a moment and just pause for a second. If you'll do this with me, just, just with your eyes closed and your head bowed. What I have found, church, is that in all the hustle and bustle and what we do, one of the biggest reasons we miss these divine disruptions is because we won't just be still and let him be God. Can just for a moment, we just be still before the Lord and let the Holy Spirit speak to you right now? Just for one minute, I wanna do this. Just be still and listen what he's saying to you right now. and finisher of our faith, of our lives, and that you were the greatest divine disruption this world has ever seen, that you made intercession, that you came in, Lord, to bring peace, to bring reconciliation, to bring us back to the Father. Lord, I pray today, Lord God, that in our moments of our stillness, in our moments, God, that we will embrace, receive, the, a divine disruption that's in our lives that you are trying to get a hold of us with. Or whether that's a mom and dad that just needs to be at home for their kids because to know that they only have one mom and one dad. Or if, it, if, it's, if it's a person looking at their job situation and, and being motivated by the money rather than the motivation to serve you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and to trust you in that whether that's someone that's living with such fear and anxiety and riddled with, with insecurity, Lord, that, that they don't know where to turn. But the scripture says you are where our help comes from. And that we don't have to live like we used to, Lord, but we can cry out, Abba, Father, today. So, Lord, I pray for each and every one, no matter what their situation is, Lord come to you in newness of saying, Lord, we, 
like Simon, that I'm a sinner. And Lord, I need your forgiveness. I need you. I need you in my life. I need you to wash me clean and make me a new person. Or if it's someone that is tired of living sorry to sorry and they realize that they are missing this fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit in their life and they want to be set free, Lord, fill them today, Lord. Lord, I pray today, Lord, that whatever it is, you give them courage to take the next step, to bring a brother or sister along with them and to be willing to go on the other side, whatever that looks like for them, and to remember these words no matter what they do. Jesus, you said it plainly. Do not be afraid. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We praise you. Be with us today and the rest of this week. In your name we pray. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.